What's going on, everyone? Flow Wrestling Radio Live, and we kick Christian Pilot out. We said he's not welcome anymore. So it's me and Mr. Raider. Christian Pilot hates all of you listeners at home. He selfishly did not make the walk this Monday morning. Didn't make the walk. So we got a lot to talk about. It's Christmas season. We were just, I was at the U.S. Open. Um, that was a lot of fun. A lot of really good matches. I think that'll probably take up the majority. And I did text you guys last night because you guys know I am a Lions degenerate. I want to bet on the Lions. And I did win again last week, just FYI. Well, you, um, t- you tied with Christian. Well, tied for first place. That's a win in my book. <laughs> <laughs> you went 4-2. and two, Christian went 4-2. and two. I, unfortunately, went 3-3. Three and three. Oh, my goodness. I was, um, you know, the one I felt pretty proud of myself for a few of the the picks that I made. Um, there was a few that I was pretty disappointed in, and the one I was most disappointed in was um, I thought Lorenzo Norman was going to be able to hold it closer against Makai Lewis, and he kind of got his butt kicked. I got that one right. Major. I right. 8-0. I was the only one that got it wrong. But then Cardenas, I, I don't know that I said. I think I said exactly that last week that you guys both scoffed at me. You said um, Cardenas just got beat by Andoni. And I said, but sometimes you got to feel him once. And then the second time, you know it. And then the second yeah. time, you knew it. He actually majored Bryce Andonian. I know. He put it on him 15-7. to seven. So, It wasn't even close. Big results there. Um, and then the one that we did not, we, we had a line on, but we did not get to see happen. But Eddie Ventresca did not wrestle. They pulled Cooper Flynn's red shirt, and he beats Nico Provo, who had been number one in the country. Uh, 125. It keeps being a pain in my ass as a ranker. And I think this decision to pull Flynn. Cooper Flynn number one? Cooper Flynn at number one? I don't know. Probably not. Probably uh, not. Um, but because wasn't Cooper Flynn in the senior nationals entries? Uh, like and a he week was ago? Olympic redshirted. He was Olympic redshirting, but this wasn't even a, I think, a thought until late in the week. Um, obviously, Ventresca had been struggling quite a bit so far yeah. this season, and Cooper Flynn's not a first-year guy, so this isn't a one of his five events. Yeah. His shirt's officially pulled. Um, and it seems like a smart decision after one match. After one match, it looks it looks pretty good. And the other one, you know, oh, dude, I was I was sleep deprived because I had a long weekend. I came home early to coach Sunday practices and stuff, um, and I didn't get to see it. But apparently, Jory Volk beat Richie Figs on a controversial takedown, and I have not got to watch it yet. So, Tyler, um, you can pull this I, one up. I put the link. in Oh, perfect. I put the link in the doc. It occurs with about a minute and a half left in the third. I I normally default to the officials got it right because I'm just not a smart person. Officials make <laughs> a lot more calls than me. I normally default to them. In this case, though, I don't think they got it right. Uh, they got well, that rid. Means I, that means I'm going to have a very strong feeling about it. If you yes, think that, correct. Then, yeah. They got rid of riding time. Or not writing time. I'm sorry, reaction time. Uh, yeah. So that's that. It was a writing time um, situation here. If you're just listening, um, it was in the third period, and Volk is coming around. I just sent you the link, so, Tyler. Yeah, I can't see it on my screen yet. 
Volk is coming around on a go-behind. They're from neutral, and Figs holds on to his arm. He has, like, an underhook from front Mm -hmm. headlock. Figs Mm -hmm. rolls underneath and slips under the leg. Now, you can pause it, and Volk is behind his hips, but I didn't Generally, they make you clear the arm, for sure. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was beyond reaction time. But then, here's the weird thing to me. This occurs with like a minute and a half, minute left, and Figs ends up getting a reversal. Like, he ends up on top after this roll. Okay. But the three and two mm-hmm. makes it five to four in favor of Volk. Yeah, Figs which would have been four four him. in the old rule set. Mm-hmm. Figs then rides him for like 30 seconds before cutting him, which was not necessary. Riding time yeah, was not over weird. a minute, and then he's unable to get the takedown at the end. Here, Tyler, okay. is that's the sequence right there, Tyler. Okay. We're pulling it in? All right, let's watch this. Yep, Full screen it. We're pulling it in. Right here. So, so you see Volk's got that underhook on the right yep, side, yep. comes behind, Figs kind of Grambies. No way. They went, they went takedown there. And then Figs ends up on top, so they go reversal. They reviewed it yeah. and confirmed three for Volk, two reversal. Really? Play it one more time. Tyler, can you play it one more time, maybe full screen it? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I feel like that is too early to establish a takedown. It's, you know, so he, he's got the arm, he rolls through, and then at no point is Volk actually on top. He's on the side, right? He's, ha- he's hanging off the side. Trying to establish control, attempting to establish control, but never fully establishes control at all there. So uh, I will go with your side. I say no takedown. Yeah, and like you said, this just continues to... uh, 125 continues to be the weight of chaos. Um, This was Fig's first tournament back this season. That was out at Reno. Uh, He won his three other matches, but it wasn't... Against uh, no, no any like top ten guys, edge. yeah. Um, so, Kozakami got to decide what we're gonna do with these. Well, I'm I'm, oh, I'm gonna look at your rankings right now. Who who are your choices to go number one there? Let me take a look here and pull it up. Camacho probably. Figueroa probably was Camacho. three, um, but he just lost to Volk, who's currently at number eleven. So, Figaro's probably going to drop a couple spots. Volk come up a couple spots. Man, I can't find your rankings. I'm struggling here. But, I mean, Jory Volk just lost to Noah Certain. That was, that was only last week, week. So you can't put I him know, too high. Who, who he's right behind right now. So, I think Noah Ramos only has probably, one loss. Me, he lost Figaro's to, uh, probably um, just going to drop. Yeah, I think I think certain loss to uh, the Cal Poly kid. Maybe is that whose loss is? He lost to yeah. So um, certain's off to a good but, start this year. Yeah, I think you got to go Jacob Camacho because man, Ramos has multiple losses at this point. Correct. Uh, Noto does. Noto's got at least a loss also. Man, everyone kind of is taking losses already because Steve Steve-O's got a loss. Dang, what a disaster of a wave. I know. Camacho won, for sure. 
Yep, Jacob Camacho won. Even though he did not compete at CKLV. <laughs> Sometimes that's what you got to do. Which is annoying, but that's what you got to yeah. do, I guess. But um, yeah, like I was saying, I don't is know Camacho why. Is Camacho going to have any tough matches at the Collegiate Duels? Because I believe NC State is there today. Their two big matches are you and I and Ohio State. So he'll have McCrone. Um and uh, who is you and I's forty one Trevor Anderson, I think. So Yeah. He should probably go two and oh there. Okay. Got it. All right. Um move let's talk about the US Open. I mean there wasn't too much college stuff this weekend. US Open, uh I, I guess I want to start with sixty five. I thought that was the most fun. You know, I was down there coaching. I think Connor. Andrew Lira is just the the story kind of coming yeah, out of absolutely. Fort Worth. But 65 was so fun because I was coaching Connor and Cole, and, you know, mostly I was kind of hanging out in the back. But when 65 came up, I'm like, hey, guys, I'm going to go watch 65 kilograms, and I'll <laughs> come gotta, back down yeah, right afterwards happening. so you're not worried about me or nothing. But I want to go I'm gonna go see these. From the round of 16, it was good matches, uh, and I want to see them. Yeah, 65 was the way to the tournament. tournament. We said that going in. Lived up to the hype. Um I don't yes. think anybody was super surprised to see Andrew Lear's Bo Bartlett in the final, but no. Bo Bartlett over McKenna, um, while maybe not super surprising, it is still a, an interesting result. Yeah. yeah, Bartlett looked good, you know, specifically looked good on top. Um, he had that tech fall over Pletcher first round, which included a couple turns. Um, he beat So he beat Kolodzik and then McKenna back-to-back 5-5. Five to five. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm blanking on the Kolodzik match if he got a turn or take down a turn or a takedown um but i believe in the mckenna match didn't he get a takedown to a turn or am i am i going crazy here it was into a leg lace correct no it was a four it was a four pointer it was a four pointer but that's what it was yeah so he got the four pointer and then mckenna couldn't take him down at all mckenna had You're five right. one because he he took mckenna he brought his leg up took him to the edge and mckenna kind of relaxed i think and thought he was just going to give up a step out and he went big club on the head yes. and took him to the back yeah. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah. That was so nice. So I, that was a good match. Um, you know, Aiden Valencia. This is I'm just going to kind of go run through the round of 16 matches. Aiden Valencia. Um, him and Seth Gross was a lot of fun because, uh, you know, they were in a lot of wrestling positions and Seth just couldn't. He was like almost there on a bunch of them, and then Seth went on a, a big backside run, and Valencia lost to DeSanto on the backside. Maybe is that who it was? Yep, lost to DeSanto. Mm-hmm. So he took eighth. DeSanto then lost to McKenna. Um, he was in some fun matches. Him and Ashnault, um, they mixed up the Ashnault Ironman match on the front side was a lot of fun. So there's just so many good matches. Did in this you bracket. think that was that should have been called a pin? Oh, oh yeah. The Ashnault Ironman one. Well, there's there's a okay, but um, not and not to rag on nervous. But sometimes it's not the referee's fault. It's it's a flawed process, right? Okay, and I'll tell you exactly why it's flawed. Because if the on-the-mat guy calls a fall, okay, by definition, what he has to do is confirm that fall. He has to look away from the action, okay? And then, you know, sometimes if the, if the, if the guy over there, if he doesn't confirm it right away, he will continue to look at that man to say, like, are you seeing a pin? And until, so he's not even looking at what's happening right now. And... The the guy over there is is saying, you know, did he pin him earlier? Because I'm trying to confirm what you called, but now you're not looking at what's going on. So I actually, 
Well, you know, I just generally hate three-man mechanics. I, I don't think it's a good process. I, I think there should be one one referee that has the responsibility. Um, and a re- and a, obviously we have a review already. So if we don't think he got it right, we can go to the review. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the on-the-mat referee has to look away from the action while it's not happening, and then sometimes, like, I asked a couple sequences, and this is right, uh, this goes to Nick Wisdowski was whining about this Um and unfortunately, I don't want to whine about it because I don't have a way to solve it, solve for it. And if I did, I would whine about it. <laughs> but we have inexperienced people on the um, computers updating scores, right? So lots of times when a score happens is when they'll go to their back. So the referee is calling the score. And then they're also, the table judge, also making sure right. that the person on the computer has it right. So sometimes they look away for a split second when the actions happen and then they have to look back right so there's all these things happening where um that probably shouldn't be the sequence in which things are happening so yeah they're going to miss some falls because of that process and and yes they missed that one generally speaking the mat official is going to have the best view by far they're right on top of it of the person's back i i do like three person mechanics prior to having official review like i i think it was a good yes, process yeah, yeah. especially in freestyle when you have to determine like initiation a lot yeah. i think three-man mechanics is good then but now when we can kind of go back and, and review those really tricky situations it, it maybe kind of seems like one-man mechanics yeah. might be the way to go and like you said they Absolutely. have to uh, the man official literally has to look away from the action to confirm falls the only instance where it would be better is if say big move happens mad official doesn't have the view of the wrestler's back because maybe action went to the opposite side away from him right in front of table table can confirm it but even still in that situation the mat the mat guy still has to call call that first Yes, yeah, so he has call. to run around behind, see the back, and then confirm. So yes. even in that scenario, one-man mechanics is still probably the way to go. So, yeah, yeah. I kind of agree with you. I don't think that's... Yeah, I mean, the other thing with three mechanics... <laughs> I didn't want to get into three-man mechanics, but, you know, we got the PNL, and I'm always... I'm saying, like, listen, this is our league. We can do what we want. I want to get rid of three-man mechanics, and I just constantly, like, try to badger them to get rid of it. But some of them are for it, so I don't think we're going to do it. But the other thing with three-man mechanics, my biggest problem, now, now we're getting into, this is like Ben Therapy Radio Live, <laughs> is, and I've had multiple referees tell me this, there's an on-the-mat one, there's a chair, and then there's a third referee on the opposite side, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have been told multiple times, the guy who's on the opposite side, so the non-chair, their job, and they literally say, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm told to do this. They're supposed to give the chair options. And in my my view, that is like the worst thing possible because, you know, if we're going to have three-man mechanics, the point is to say, how does the majority see this, right? And if you suck at refereeing, we shouldn't have you on the mat anyway. So if we don't trust you, why would we have you out there? Right. So if you see it the same way the guy on the mat sees it, then the problem's solved. Two of three people agreed. We don't even need to talk to the chair, right? Like, mm-hmm. why do we need to talk to him? So if two people agree on what the action was, then the chair shouldn't get to decide. But if I feel that my job, I am forced, I am supposed to call something different 
than what the on the mat referee called, then I'm I'm purposely doing something that I don't think is happening, right? So I don't think it was a four, but I'm throwing up a four because I think I'm supposed to give that guy options. But I actually think it was two. Well, if I think it's two and he thinks it's two, it should be two because two of three agree. I have actually never heard officials say that. Yeah, I grill them on it sometimes. So I've heard multiple multiple officials say the third guy's job is to give the chair options. So then you're, you're giving the chair too much power. Now, I, I don't necessarily hate that if it's like an action of out of bounds and it happens right in front of the chair and you're like, ah, I couldn't really see when his entire foot went out of bounds. So you have a better call, but... Then, then we're getting into some really tricky, slippery slope type yeah, stuff. Yeah, slippery slope. So, yeah, I would prefer to go to one with with a couple good review uh, reviewers. Um, that that would be great. It would really, really, really be better, I believe. Um, you know, the, and the table worker thing is like <laughs> Scott Cleaver just said, pay them and train them. I, I wish we had pro table workers. I wish that wrestling was we were like the NFL. The NFLs they got they got pro yard yardsmen, right? You know that their literal job is to move the sticks. Yes, yardsmen. Like, that's their name. What is that? What are they called? Chain gang. <laughs> Chain gang. <laughs> Chain gang. They're not in jail, JD. Come on. <laughs> They're in NFL jail. Bro, it would be so awesome if we had paid table workers that we could actually give them something like. You know, I don't know, five hundred bucks and pay for their trip. Something where they're like uh, a regular family's like, dude, yeah, I'll go on that trip. You know, like I'll go watch wrestling and get paid five hundred bucks. Like that's awesome. So something to that effect, and you know, and maybe not for every rinky dink tournament, but for for the big important ones, let's have people we trust and let's have people that are good and let's pay them. I mean, I don't know, like USA Wrestling is probably making enough money, five hundred bucks a table that weekend. That's only. It's only three grand. They ain't that much for them. Come on. Now, I do think at these big USA wrestlements, I wasn't in Fort Worth, so I'm not sure, but a lot of times they use the same table workers. I mean, they're still volunteers. Pretty sure it was volunteer. Yeah, they're, all, I'm, they're always volunteer. They're always even volunteer. At, even at NCAs, they're, they're volunteers. They're knowledgeable so saying, volunteers. Let's get some pro table workers. Who have done it before, but they're still volunteers. Yeah, I, and speaking of, I want to pay the referees more. Also, I mean, I would yeah, love to pay the referees. It'd be great if everybody could more. get paid more. It's just the money doesn't exist. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it does. I can't look through USA Wrestling's finances right now, but I think if we place enough value on it, I think we could find find the money for it. Maybe, but everybody wants yeah. a little more. This, this should be paid more. There should be more resources into this and. Well, I mean, in my in my in my estimates, I can't bitch about it unless uh, I'm willing to create a solution. And that's my solution, and I, I I do believe the money to be there. Uh, and we do in PNL, we do pay the referees more because we are trying to get the best ones. We pay them more than normal. Well, that's good. I, I do think yeah. a lot of officials. We've not paid table workers yet, but I I I am in favor. I want to get the best table workers, so it just freaking. Smooth, smooth as butter runs runs great. All right, back to wrestling. That was my therapy session. Appreciate that, JD. All right, back to um, sixty-five. You know what else was we wild? Just scratched the surface. Uh, what? McKenna was killing Ironman. Yes. And then Ironman hit a big four-pointer uh, at the end of the period, and then and then kind of was really competitive. You know, he 
he, it was 10-8 at the end, right? And he gave up the last couple points. But um, that was like, it was kind of like McKenna was steamrolling and then Ironman brought it back and it was a really fun match. That was a really fun match. 10-8 was the final on that one uh, quarter. I'm pretty sure that one was, mm-hmm. that was right after, um, you know, Ironman, he, like I said, he, he might have been pinned against Ashnall. And I think he gave that up early and then stormed back and ended up winning pretty handily. That match was crazy, too, because there was a couple sequences that I didn't necessarily love how they were called. Um, and with Jay Nyerman, he's always going to need these crazy scrambles, right? So you're always. just like Yanni, you're going to always have these wild sequences that, that are very difficult to score. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, yeah, you know. But then I want to say it was it was it was really in the balance till the very end, and I want to say Ironman got maybe a whole bunch of turn. It's fifteen six is the final score, but it was let's see, what in the heck is on this scoreboard? So it's so in the last twenty five for Ironman, it shows to be uh, six to four uh, McKenna with twenty five seconds left, and somehow he gets. Plus two, plus two, plus one, plus one, plus one, plus four. Uh, something is wrong on this score chart. But it was, he was, uh, Ashnault was winning with not a lot of time left, and Ironman mm-hmm. scored a whole bunch of points. So I believe it was 6 4, and, and Ironman scores with nine points or something ridiculous in the last couple seconds. Yeah, absurd. Yeah. And the big question a lot of people are asking, um, we had a, an official question about it too from, from Slink is, so how does Aliris stack up against Yanni and Nick Lee? Bray said it on the call. You don't want to play the transitive game too much, but Bo Bartlett literally got his hand raised against Nick Lee, yep. and then Aliris blows him out eight to zero. So yeah. how does and he well, stack you know up what? The eight to zero. Games? So I didn't get to watch it live because so I was coaching practice. Eight to zero wasn't as bad as. I was assuming so. It was a takedown to a lace for um, six, right? Mm-hmm. Takedown lace yep. lace for six, yes. and then mm-hmm. another takedown in the first. But the other side of it would be Bartlett. I don't believe ever even got close to a score. No, never, right? Never. So uh, man, Lears is good. He had he did have to come back from behind, and actually Patelio fell off on the backside. Um, he did. I, and I think that's probably I, I would I'm gonna push it. He's not to qualified. The weight, yeah, to the weight cut is what I would push it to. Um, but he had two. So let's see. I'm gonna pull up. The, he was down. Lears was down three zero and got two takedowns in the last ninety seconds to to win. Mm-hmm. So he really had to come back. Pantella actually, I mean, early he looked good. He beat Valencia kind of easy, and he was looking really good in that Lears match. And then Lears came back. Yeah, and then on the backside he lost to oh. He, no, he was beating Gross, and he got was it a trap arm? I believe it was a trap arm, and Gross scored a, a yeah. He was up six zero, and Gross scored sixteen points. Gross Jeez, is weird, wild, right? <laughs> um, so how do you think Alaris stacks up against Yanni Nick Lee? Great. I mean, I I don't know that I'm gonna um, I don't know that I'm gonna make him the favor right now, but. If we're making money lines and we say, hey, here's the money line ever on the field, he's right below them. Like, he's very, he's very, very close. I'm not putting, you know, Yanni here, Nick Lee here, and then him way down here, or, you know, Nick Lee, uh, the other side of that, right? Um, 
I'm going to go like boom, 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 like right next to each other for the three of them. And you know, the other person has said he's coming down, right? Who? James Green said third time's a charm. Ah, it's going to yep. be different. He's got a new hip. I, I, can, I can speak for having new hips. Dude, uh, I felt so much better. So if Green, if James Green was performing that well and his hip was really that detrimental to his performance, which I could say for me it was, um, he he and he can actually make the weight, which that's kind of always been the question, right? He's going to be dangerous at 65. So I want to see that one play out. Um, is he qualified already then? James Green, yes. He is. Okay. So cause I was, if not, then him and um, Pantelio would both have to go to the last chance. No, just Pantelio. They James have Green not... is competing pretty soon, though. I remember he said he was competing okay. competing at DeGlane or one of the upcoming um, international tournaments in January. I forget which one. Man, last chance, though. It, it, Klodzik is not qualified, correct? Correct. Ironman? Uh, and... He... No, oh, yeah, he so. fell off in the constellations. Yep. Yep. Aiden Valencia, Luke Pletcher, um, Anthony Ashnault, like Alec Pantelio. <laughs> this dude, that last chance at 65 is going to be stacked. It's going to be tough. So good. Some weights, it's, you know, not going to be great. 65. 65 really is good. the deepest weight in the world, and America follows suit. Yes. 100%. All right. Um, let's see. Where, where else you want to go? You want to just go back and go in weight order? Yeah. Let's go. I, well, I don't want to move off Alira's Yan, uh, okay. Yanni uh, Nickley just yet because I love Alira's style matchup against Yanni. Like, Is that because he gets to the leg and comes up so fast? Yes. He, he's about as quick to... As quick to the leg and up as as anyone. He's very good at avoiding those scrambles that Yanni is good in. Yes, 100%. Um, because he is so fast and powerful and, and just so sound, basically. He doesn't yeah. do anything super flashy, anything super good. It's just that good kind of misdirection, um, hop to the outside single and that blast mm-hmm. double that he has, but... Yeah, no, he's, he's quick, good at he's it. powerful, and he comes up very quickly with the legs. Um, yeah, and his his lace transitions are great, also. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think he poses a threat. I think, um, yeah, he's right there in with those guys. I would not be surprised at all if he were to make the team. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, okay, fifty-seven. I, I don't know. If there's a ton to talk about. Liam Cronin third to Shazer. Other than where fourth. was Nick Seriano? Uh, he just didn't show up. Uh, very bizarre. He's well, I mean, um, I guess at this point, are we expecting anything different? That's true, it, it's right on brand, but very still bizarre because now he has to go to last chance, he's not qualified. Oh, he ain't gonna make it yeah. to the last chance. Come on, I'll bet you on this one. He, what do you mean? He has to, like, he won't find it, or he, he, he won't get on the plane, or it almost reminds me of a Diaz brother a little bit. Like, they would give him plane tickets, and he just would, like, miss the flight, like, over and over and over again. It's always um, something. Yeah. So, I've been hearing this is the case with Suriano. He, he misses a lot of flights. He he did get COVID last Olympic trials. <laughs> yeah. We could get that, too. So, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess I'm I'm out on him until I see him competing more frequently at this weight class. Well, it, it was just, yeah, I guess it's on brand for him. But it, it's just bizarre to even enter. And then when the seeds came out the day before and, and there was no Nick Suriano, it was like, oh, he didn't get missed in the seeds. But yeah, the, it. I don't know what it was. I don't know why he didn't show up. I don't know if it was weight, sickness, injury, what. But he knew because the USA Wrestling Committee that did the seeds knew. So, yeah, 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 um, yeah. This is unfortunate. Uh, but seven fifty-seven, Spencer beats Nico again. But it was a very competitive match. There were some fun sequences, good scrambles. Um, they're both very tricky and bendy and flexible. Um, you know, I think Spencer's established himself as being better than Nico. I think some people thought he's going to blow Nico out. That's just not the case. He's got two attempts at it now. Um, you know, Spencer now is going to have to go through a really tough field at trials. Um, you know, I'm mm-hmm. assuming Vito's going to be in there. Um, Gilman's going to be in there. Fix is going to be in there. Nico's going to be in there. Richards. I gotta Who? Zane Richards. Zane Richards, yes. Um, yeah, so... It's going to be a, a very good field he's going to be battling. Um, can he do it? Yeah. Am I making him the favorite? And I think no on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Until he beats one of those top guys, you're probably going to give the nod to uh, Gilman. Gilman or Vito is probably the odds-on favorite on paper. I know Richards just made the team, but when you yeah. look at what he did internationally compared to what Gilman had done the past couple years before that, a lot of people are still going to be picking Gilman or Vito. The unfortunate thing about Vito is we don't get to see him at the way, at the way prior place. to. Yeah. Skill for skill, I mean, freestyle-wise, how he looked at Worlds, um, that is the best we've had an American at. Who American who will be at 57, that's the best we've ever had mm-hmm. one perform, right? I mean, he looked so freaking good. Uh, but again, weight classes matter, and can he get down and, and be highly functional at fifty-seven? Because you know, a couple of years ago, we saw him at that weight class, and it wasn't exactly, um, you know, he he had his weights weight cuts where he didn't make it well and didn't look good afterwards. They like the say the Patrick Glory match, which shameless plug. I don't know if you saw prior to the senior nationals finals, we ran a veto trailer. We got a new. Beto film coming out oh. here, I think, in January or February. Maybe don't quote me on that. But Bader followed him around for the better part of a year at what a stalker Worlds and NCAs and got a bunch of good stuff. And he kind of talks about those those ups and downs and why he's wrestling so good now. What does he say? Give me give me a couple snippets. I have not seen the entire thing, oh, but man. weight was a big thing. And he worked with a psychologist, I think, that kind of just unlocked. Um, he was putting a lot of pressure on himself, too. The, the basic things, kind of just what you would expect. Hmm. So, but okay. going to be a good film because he talks a lot, of it, a lot about, um, like, growing up with the world champion father, too, and the pressure he felt from that as yeah. well t- to be great. And now he's just wrestling. Nice. Um... Okay, let's talk about 74. 74, Quincy Monday. He's the guy here. Um, 
not really super competitive matches. I think the Zap match was close for maybe a little bit of it. Um, and he pulled away in the second period. He went six over JQs and then 14-2 over Alex Marinelli in the finals. That was a um, nice uh, foot prop Marinelli hit on him to take him down first. Did, did get one take? Yeah, he got a takedown. Um, but then it was, it was all Monday. Um, where, and someone said, where do we put what tier do we put with Monday in? Dude, this this weight class is so ridiculous because, you know, in, in if we did tiers, right? Tier one, Dake's on tier one island. I don't care what anyone says about that. He is, right? And then tier two, you got Nolf and Burroughs. And I don't I don't know that I'm willing to put Keegan on that island yet. Well, I, I think, can he be there? Yes, right? But mm-hmm. he's got to go prove it. And he hasn't done it against guys of that caliber yet. And then you got, you know, Mitchell, who's a junior world champion also. So it's like, man, you have so many good guys who are already qualified in this weight class. Um, you know, Quincy Monday against the 165 field last year, like, he wasn't quite on that Keegan level. He I, and I think he he didn't beat Carr at all, right? No, he never beat Carr. So probably like just just below that is what I would say. And does he have the ability to elevate? Yeah, for sure. He's right? definitely gotten better um, since last year. He, he definitely appears. The Nolf match was, um, you know, I think more competitive than most people assumed it was going to be at NYIC. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think he's really good. He looked great at this tournament. Could definitely um, elevate himself moving into the trials. I think the story for me from this weight is actually two things. Facundo coming back for third. Hey, and I called that. I, I called it, Christian Piles. You were dismissive <laughs> of my prediction there. And Berger qualifying, but at the fifth spot, um, I think – Berger is better suited for 70 kilograms, but I thought he would maybe be a little bit more competitive at 74, and that just hasn't proven to be the case. You know who's gotten so much better, J.D.? Who? Jared JQs. Yeah, he had a really good tournament. He never placed it. He he was never an All-American in college. I don't even know if he made the blood round. Um, But, yeah, he took fourth place to Facundo. um, Made the – I believe he made the semis – um, man, he, like he he had a pretty Shields good. And Sealy lost to Monday, and then yeah, came back for fourth beat place. Bearclaw. Well, Bearclaw had a tournament too because Bearclaw beat. Uh, man, Penn State's got they got problems right because they got Mitchell's starting sixty five, but then they got Facundo Olympic redshirt, and they got Bearclaw who took sixth here, right, almost qualified, and then they got Sealy coming in also who took eighth here. Yeah, talk about that. So crazy. Who else? Did, oh, Bearclaw. Bearclaw beat Berger on the front side. Mm-hmm. And then lost to Facundo, and that match was really competitive. Yeah, Facundo got a takedown on the minute left to win that one, 3-2. to two. And then on the back side, Bearclaw beat uh, Yaya Thomas and Joey Lavalley. Yeah. yeah. So, so, impressive performance by him. And, you know, Penn State's, uh, they're, they're pretty deep at some of those weight classes. Yeah, it was a fun one to follow, but kind of like you were saying, no... Not too much offense to these guys, but even Quincy Monday, he's a couple tiers down from the uh, yes. from the top guys. Yeah, this and he's, he's young, and he could he could definitely elevate and get better. But um, at this point, um, that's kind of where he's at. I think the big story at eighty six was your boy Mirasola. He had himself a yeah. tournament. He had himself a tournament, so he beat uh, Max Dean on the first, which that match was crazy. 
Um, I told him I was so proud of him because um, he's he's tough. He goes hard, right? But like he his body wore out in in the match against Max Dean. He was he got a it, five it was, zero. It was close. <laughs> it was... And um, his body wore out. And I told but I told him at the break. I'm like Max Dean's tired. Max Dean's a freaking winner. He is not going to stop trying to win. He is going to come at you, and you need to compete really hard this period, even though you're up 5-0, right? Mm-hmm. He was just, like, he, he was feeling it. <laughs> he got the double at the end to win, which was wild. Um, and then, you know, he uh, he kind of started shooting himself out of the Mark Hall match, but, you know, Mark Hall's very good. It was, it was, he actually took the lead for a minute in the second period, and then uh, Mark scored on a high crotch or a, oh, what was it? Maybe maybe an ankle pick, and then and then he started shooting himself out of the match a little bit. But yeah, I mean Connor is still 17 years old, uh, a young high school kid. Right, he's graduating. He's seven. He's going to be 18 soon. Uh, but finishes fourth place and qualifies for the trials here. So yeah. yeah, that was awesome. Max did get him on the backside for third. Max, so Max beat him <laughs> for third. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but, but but that goes to show you. When that happened, I was like, wow, Connor looked really good, but is Max Dean maybe a little past his prime, not training super hard, just, okay, I'll go through the cycle, whatever. Yeah. But it seems like Mac, Max, like we said, came back for third. He, yeah, I mean, he's not that old, right? He only graduated yeah. last graduated. year, right? I mean, Connor finished ahead of Evan Wick, McFadden, Lujan. Cam Caffey. Cam Caffey, Coleman. Yeah. Owen Webster, Morgan McIntosh, all these tough yeah. guys, Josh Barr. Crazy bracket. So, 86 was a crazy deep bracket, and mm-hmm. Connor Marisola, he's right in the mix. He's going to be a huge factor um, come 2028. Like, yes. Might be the guy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I'm excited for, so we still have, you know, obviously him and his brother and Aiden are all junior eligible this year, so they're, they're all really excited for that. Um, and you know, then they get the he gets to spread out because as a seventeen year old, he'll be junior eligible next year too, right? He's two more years junior eligible. Two more years, two yeah. Years, two more years, and and he's a December thirtieth birthday, so he's like two days away from being three more years junior eligible. Dang. Um, yeah, I know, right? So, um, yeah, no, he did a great job. Uh, yeah, I'm ex- and, you know I'm really excited to see. Obviously, Kale has done a masterful job with uh, a lot of upper weights, specifically at Penn State. And, you know, Connor's an upweight. He's already having a ton of success. So I'm very excited to see what they can do with him. 86 will be another fun weight at last chance because you've got guys um, like McFadden, Lujan, Coleman in the mix. Aiden Sinclair's going to be in the mix. Aiden Sinclair's six days too young. He was really sad he couldn't compete at the senior open. But he can compete at last chance? Correct, because he's born in 2006, so he can't compete in any senior level tournaments in 2005. Uh, in sorry, 2023, he cannot compete in any because he's not an 18 year old, right, by birth year. But in 2006, he is. That is bizarre that they wouldn't make it an exception bizarre. for an Olympic trials qualifier when you're old enough to compete at the Olympic trials. That's what I think they should do next time. Probably they should make uh, an exemption. It probably wasn't if- even considered. Yeah, I don't. If you if you are eligible at the Olympic trials by age, you should be eligible to try to qualify in the you know the qualifying attempts. Because now, for him, there's only one next year. It's only last chance, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah it probably just wasn't even a thought because it's such a unique circumstance for only a couple people. Yeah. Where it really I matters remember. where that birthday falls in the first couple months. 
of 2024 yeah. to well no no it's by, you know usa wrestling is my birth year so anyone born in 2006 you know he, right. he just so happens to be in january january early january right but anyone born in 2006 would not be eligible to have competed at these ones but then yeah. if you're born in 2005 you are so now if you're born in 2006 you can compete in any senior level event next year interesting yeah so yeah that should be a fun bracket at last chance it'd be a lot, a lot of people very deep mm-hmm. at 97 uh, it was the Colin Moore show he won fairly handedly really not even contested I think his closest match was the JIL semifinal yeah. and that was 5-0 to zero. yeah JL so, is getting better man because he kind of beat up on Cole Mirasola at um, at the uh, Bill Farrell Bill Farrell and yeah I, did, I didn't Really, I mean, I knew he's good, right? But I maybe didn't expect that much out of him. And then he came all the way back and took third place. He beat Warner, he beat Cassiope, he beat uh, Eric Schultz to take third place. So he's getting mm-hmm. better. He he looked really good. Yep, uh, that was ninety seven. Not a whole well, lot. Cass, how about Cass, Cassiope beat Sl- Warner Slim for tone. fifth place? Yeah. Um, and that, I said last, I said because. You know, uh, I don't know what it was, but we didn't have, we did not have Colin Moore and Nate Jackson on the right. like um, list. So I was saying, like, I think, I think Cassiopeia and Warner were, would both be. I don't know if we called them favorites or guys who would challenge, right? Um, something that effect. And I said I thought Cassiopeia would would be able to beat Warner because he'd have the big brother because he, you know, he's yeah, been that match wasn't and, close. Yeah, eleven to so, zero. Eleven zero. Uh, and he looked gigantic at this weight class. Um, so, yeah, it was. It was uh, so Warner will be at the last chance. Um, not super deep here. Cole's obviously going. So Cole lost to uh, Louis Perez and, and Cassiope. Um, so hopefully he can qualify at the last chance. Hopefully. Hopefully. And then our man Dom Bradley gets uh, another running. U.S. Open title. Mm-hmm. This is his seventeenth U.S. Open. Absurd. Absurd. I, what is the record, JD? He's got to be getting close, unless there's. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Greco. I was complaining. To, listen, there's all kinds of old men like roofers who just show up to wrestle in the Greco portion. Like, I mean, I was there for the it's women's in Greco on the first day, and I was there, and I was like, oh, "Wait, he's wrestling? Why is he <laughs> wrestling in the senior level? Like, he's gonna get hurt." He shouldn't be out here. Like, you should have to pass a fitness test to be able to compete in a senior-level tournament or something. Hey, um, shout-out to our man Eric Hinckley because he won first round. Was it against? I'm, I'm serious. Was it against a, a different roofer? Um, it was against Cameron Hudson, a man I had never seen compete before. Okay. I'm not sure yeah. of his profession, but... Dude, there's uh, there were some people out there competing who maybe looked like they should not have been out there competing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But hey, they get to chase their Olympic dreams. So, so anyway, as I was saying, we should make a we should make a category most US opens, but it should be like most US opens in which you're actually competitive with the field or something. Because I bet there are some of these old roofers who've been like, Don Bradley's been in seventeen. I've been in thirty seven US opens. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the question for me at 125 was why no Kirkfleet? He was entered and then. And Bernie. Uh, yeah, and Bernie, you're right, at 86. Um, you got to think 
probably, I don't even know if I want to say minor injuries, but just, uh, okay, let's focus on NCAA series. Because some of the Penn State guys were there. It wasn't a full full team decision to not yeah. show up. And starters, too, Bo Bartlett. Um, Let me ask you this. So. Do you think But Kasek didn't either. Kasek didn't show up either. Yeah, do you think potentially with Kirkfleet, they're saying his chances of winning an NCAA title just kind of they kind of went through the roof, right? Right. Um, so given that that is a qualifier, the, the champion of the NCAA is a qualifier, um, and he's very likely to do that, um, man, you know, you're saying, like, let's just let him do that, and he'll probably win there, right? I, you want, I think mean, that's probably maybe? the case. Yeah. I think it's actually more interesting Kasek didn't show up because I think that shows that it is likely he might be the guy this oh, year. They said, hey, you are going to be the guy for us this year. We want you focusing on folk style, and if you go win an NCAA title for us this year, you're qualified. But yeah. it's going to be a tough tough time for you here at 65 kilograms this weekend. There's a bunch of tough guys. Let's focus on you winning an NCAA title this year. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, that's probably fair. And we, we already do know that Van Ness is out for the entirety of the year. So, yeah, I think that's probably what happened. And I don't think the last chance is actually on the schedule. It is not. Yet. But you got to think it'll um, well, be the weekend on. after I, I, NCAAs, I believe there's a right? date on the calendar. I thought I thought it was the week before NCAAs, but I don't believe they had a location. Let me, I'll, I'll go look right now. I'm looking at the calendar right You're now. You're saying no? And I, I don't see it. Hmm. You, yeah, it, it, I swear. So I swear. Okay, so USA Folk Style 16U and Junior Nationals is on March 15th in Cedar Falls. Um I swear it was on that weekend. And that would make sense because that's where they'd held it before. Right. Um, yep. So it would make sense if they did it there in Iowa on that I weekend. I think it'd be wise to do it the last weekend in March after NCAAs, though. It has Why to be. That? Oh, because then those guys who did not compete. Man, I feel like you're not going to have very many dudes who compete in the NCAA tournament and the next weekend like, hey, let me go qualify. You're not. You know, like. You didn't win an NCAA title. Like, are you really going to go win Olympic trials a month later? Yeah. yeah. I agree, so. but maybe if you made it, like, that's just what sucks about the NCAA schedule and the Olympic schedule not perfectly aligning. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe if you put it a month later, like, last chance a month later, but then you get but a couple of those, those guys who were really, really, really good could have went, they could have went to the Bill Farrell, they could have went to the Senior true, Open, right? True. I mean, and honestly, like, um, we didn't see a lot of college superstars at the Senior Open this weekend, but... If you go senior open um, and then you go home for Christmas, like you're going to have some time off and just say maybe you don't wrestle. If your team was going to go to Scuffle or Midlands, maybe you just say, I'm wrestling the senior open. I'm going to skip the Scuffle or open. And then I'm going to, you know, I'll be back for duels in January, right? So, like, I don't, that could have definitely happened uh, if, I, they, if that was something they really wanted to do. I do think you would see at least a handful, a couple of guys at each weight who go, oh, I'll at least toss my hat in the ring. They're not yes. tossing their hat in the ring here because they're focused on the NCAA season. They're not even really thinking about it. But guys who are just going, eh, whatever, I'm still in the room. Like, maybe they took a week yeah. off. I've been in the room. Yeah, I'll toss my hat in the ring at least. 
Yeah. That ain't even going to be a week off. If you do it the week after, that ain't even a week off because you get home from NCAAs on, you know, depending on where you live, Sunday night probably. Yeah. Right? And then you probably got to leave for the last chance on like Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, That's what I'm right? saying. That's why it would have to be like a month later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, yeah, that's going to be a quick turnaround. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, that was senior nationals. What's up? That was senior nationals. That was senior nationals. Um, more uh, Mike at 74 said, was 74 a re- relatively weak way to senior nationals are Fakuno and JQ's just much better freestyle? I think the answer is uh, Fakuno's better freestyle. JQ's has clearly made some improvements after two tournaments. I think it's evident to see that to be the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as we mentioned, we're talking about Quincy Monday. Um, there's, there's kind of some tears at 74. There's some yep. really, really good guys that are above the field that was here today. So, yes, I think those guys are good, but there is people who are really good who weren't there. Yep, yep. Um, we kind of touched on some of the stuff that happened this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, there really wasn't a whole lot of college stuff this weekend. Like yeah. we said, um, Nebraska did beat South Dakota State 21 to 17 our, our picks from that one were 125 caleb smith did beat tanner jordan but he did but not cover the three and a half line so we all cover. lost that one because we all picked smith at 165 yeah, so- antrell taylor beat tanner cook handily um so we all got that one correct yep and then at 184 I set the line at seven and a half for Pinto over Berge. He only beat him by six. So UNCP got I thought me it was on that. One. I thought it was four. Was it, it six? Was eight to two. Eight to. All right, got it. I thought it was, I thought it was eight four. I don't know why I thought that. All right. And what uh, uh what are our lines for today? I I don't see them in there. Uh, down below. So I, I put the schedule in there and then look. Well, usually you have them on the pick not, sheet. I know they're not in the pick sheet. I kind of did them last second this morning, so I'll put them in the pick sheet after this. But hey, uh, right and I guess I want there's, there's one more question here from uh, Brendan Inc. and he said, "What would Flynn have been ranked had he not been redshirting?" Um, he did not have a super great year last year. He lost twice to Ventresca in overtime. He also lost it. He actually lost to Nico Provo in overtime in the duel. Braxton Brown lost to Matt Ramos. It was it does appear to be an overtime, right? So. He's a guy, and he got pinned by Cole Camacho. So he's a guy who is good, but uh, 25, somewhere in there. Yeah, 20? I mean, he didn't have a key signature win last year yeah. that really would have put him in the top 15. And he, he kind of, like you said, lost to all those guys that are currently in the in the top 10 or 15. And so, yeah, yeah. he would not have been super high if yeah. – if in at all, he he was a really good recruit coming out of yes. high school, uh, Super Thirty Two champ. I, I'm pretty sure. So he was definitely a guy we knew potential was there, but we hadn't seen it from him yet. Um, but now with the win over Nico Provo, and with Virginia Tech being like, hey, it's worth it to pull your Olympic red shirt. He, he's going to be in the mix, and with the chaos of 125, at least from what we've seen right now, he's a title threat. Yeah, yeah. 
which is crazy to say. Crazy to say. I, I'm gonna say that's too crazy. Why? Too crazy. A threat. Too crazy. He's a threat. No. I'm not saying he's the he's favorite. He's got to put some wins together. He's got to put some wins together before we do that. I, right now, I'm saying he's a threat until he's proven otherwise. Yeah. Be, now, um, there are like 10 to 15 threats to win a title at this weight. Okay, that's fair. But, that's fair. Um, Man, you got a lot of picks here. I guess I scrolled down and I got a, I got a little intimidated by your, your list of picks. Hey, Collegiate duels today and tomorrow in Nashville. Um, they're going to be great. Uh, there, so there's two pools um, yes. at play. And then, um, so your, your first Cornell pool. Cornell versus Iowa State. Is that the best duel here? That's the best duel. That's going to be the finale at 6 p.m. Eastern. At 6 p.m., there's actually four duels going on. And Cornell, Iowa State, NC State, Wait, Ohio no, no. State. There's two, and then two are tomorrow. Yes. Yes, you're right. Yes. I misread the schedule. Two is 6 p.m. today, day two one, is day 6 two. p.m. tomorrow. Yep. So, luckily, we don't have to split screen it. Um, there we go. We can focus on Iowa State, Cornell. At 2 p.m. today, Cornell, Little Rock, Pitt, Iowa State. 4 p.m., Cornell, Pitt, Little Rock, Iowa State. And then 6 p.m., Cornell, Iowa State, Pitt, Little Rock. Um, where do we want to start? Well, let's go to. I mean, so let's just run through these picks. Yeah. Um, you got Cole Matthews as a two and a half point underdog against Vince. No Cornell. favorite. Him a, oh, my, I misread. My bad. Him as a favorite. Uh, well, I was gonna say it's gonna be closer than two and a half, anyways. So I, I will stick with that, uh, and I will say um, I'm picking Cornella against the spread. I'm gonna go, and he could win for sure, also too. Yes, I was a little disappointed in his CKLV performance. I agree. Matthews had a really rocky start, but is coming off a huge win over Jesse Mendez, where I thought he looked okay. He did get ridden for quite some time. Um, I don't think Cornella is going to be able to ride him, though. He's pretty good at turning. He is good. He is tough on top, but yes, he is he tough. He is tough, right. but nice I think Matthews ride. is going to be able to get away. And he's going to win this on a takedown. So I've got, I could see him winning like five to two, but I'll go Matthews to cover. Okay. That is fair. And CP will mail in his picks. He will. He he just just wanted to listen to the show this morning. Um, He very Uh conveniently had a flight or something this morning, but he's going to get away with hearing all our, insight intellectual insight that he does not possess and then he can make his picks <laughs> off of that man um okay pit iowa state you got to pick them etchemendia versus matthews mm-hmm. um that's a tough one so <laughs> etchemendia should not go down against cole matthews right uh and cole matthews will be very defensive as he generally is um uh, I'm gonna go with Etchemendi gets one takedown to win, and he's probably gonna win three to two. I feel similarly. Um, there's definitely a scenario where Matthews wins on like 101 of riding time. He he's pretty good. He's classic, classic Pennsylvania. Like those Pennsylvania kids are so good at just like winning yes. those 
two to one matches that go to yes. tiebreakers. Um, I think because they get in them from their literally their PJW days. Um, but Etchemendia, too good on the feet, offensively, defensively. He wins the takedown battle, one to zero or two to one. Doesn't have to go underneath Cole Matthews, and, and he wins this this one close. Okay. I like it. So I, t- I took uh, Etchemendia, and you took Cole Matthews. No, I, I took Etchemendia, too. You sure? I'm sure. Matt I thought said you said Etch- he was good at winning these close ones. I said he is good at winning these close ones. <laughs> but then I said Etchemendia, too good on his feet okay. offensively and defensively. He doesn't get oh. done. Hey, do you think we're going to see? I'm just, I just, I'm scrolling through your pick. Do you think we're going to see Carver's Ramirez again? I would assume so. Dude, you know what sucks? Can I tell you what sucks? Hit me. If Julian Ramirez sits this one out to say, I got a David Carr win, that's going to suck. That is. Right? Because that suck. could happen going for, you know, for NCA seating. Um, because I don't know who they're going to see in the second half, but um, I got to assume. Based on rankings, uh, you know they're not going to see an EIWA guy. Not Ogun Sanya's the the next top guy um, from Colombia. So I Ogun don't know Sanya, if Cornell or maybe it's Mulvaney. Mulvaney beat Ogun Sanya. He did. Mm-hmm. So I mean, EIWA's got a couple of tough one sixty five pounders. I don't know Cornell's schedule, so I don't know if they duel Bucknell and or Colombia. But hey, Ramir- you left. You left Ramirez and Olejnik behind David Carr. Interesting. Well, I mean, bold, it's because David Carr beat Keegan, Keegan twice last season. Yeah. And he's an NCAA champ, so I think that gives him enough resume. That's fair. To, uh, to stay at number two. And those guys have taken losses in the past year, last year, that uh, we thought didn't quite warrant jumping over, over David. That's fair. Okay. And it's right, why sorry, I, I made distracted. That and it's why I um, made David um, a favorite <laughs> here, despite the fact that he has lost to Ramirez this year. I still made him a three and a half point favorite. That's that. That is a bold move there, and I, I will pick again. I mean, I know he's going to be motivated to go get it back, but it's a lot of points right there. It's not as many points as you think it is with the three point well, takedown. Obviously, yeah, the takedowns worth a little more, but I still think. Um, He's gonna. He would have to take him down multiple times, um, and not get taken down in order to to win by three and a half. Oh, you're well, picking I'm car. Doing, I'm going car. I think he covers. Old move. All right. Uh, you got something like right, six, six, six to two. I pick Etchemendia. Seven to three. And you pick you pick Cole Matthews. I did not. Quit putting words in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to get you a switch. All right. Unger versus. Um, all right, so are we doing specifically Eisen, uh, Unger versus Kaisen Terakinia? Yep. It would be kind of interesting if we did the picks and just said this is the batch at 125, right? And so then you got you got to also factor in what is the likelihood that the best guy on their team shows up at that weight class? I think with these, it's fairly likely. Okay. All right. Um, so I would go. Uh, I'm gonna go Kaisen Terakinia. He had some. He had a good performance against Eric Barnett, where he kind of beat him up. Um, he did not have a good Vegas. Uh, I'm going. But I'm gonna say he bounces back. Brett Unger sometimes wins close ones, but 
I think Unger gets a turn to open things up a little bit. Wins. I'll go by by four. Okay. Damn, we're going opposite bunch today. All right, Vito versus Frost. I'm going Vito. Yeah, sure. I made Vito a seven and a half point favorite. Probably could have busted that one open a little bit more. Frost has been tough this year, but a lot. I've seen a lot of Iowa State fans already really singing the praises of Frost, which is partially deserved. But he hasn't beaten the top tier guy. Yeah, Brody Teske is his best win. Teske a, was a top ten guy. So, you know, Frost is ready to, to push for All-American status, but he's... A weight class is he's kind of thin. It's kind of thin. That's what I'm saying. When he made the CKLV finals, he really didn't have to beat anybody super tough. So that's why I was kind of... I'm pumping the brakes a little bit on Frost. Yes. And just that, I want to see. Well, I think you can sneak in all American, so maybe yeah. don't pump the brakes on that. But when it's like these top, um, I don't know where you want to do the cutoff, whether it's after Nagawa at four or maybe Latona at six. But Cannon's kind of been all over the place. Kolioko, uh, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got Frost at nines, and you know Rennie at ten has lost to a bunch of uh, elevens, lost to a bunch of people, and so has Buzakis. So yep, yeah. Kind of drops off hard there. For sure. So that's why, and that's kind of what I meant more in that I think Frost really fits into this weight nicely because it's not an incredibly deep weight class. I'm not saying Frost isn't a good wrestler. Yeah. He's tough. But I need more than one Brody Teske win to say you're a really, really top-tier D1 wrestler. Yeah, because Teske got put on the bench, and they started um, they started calling Schubert. Schubert in their last one. Yeah, like we said, that that's a that's kind of a roster battle now. I mean, it seems like Teske's yeah. still probably going to be the guy, unless Shriver can beat him. But yes. it's at least interesting now. So we both have Vito by bonus, I think, somewhat easily. What do you yeah. think about this line though? Etchemendia, four and a half points favorite over Vince Cornello. Uh, I didn't he whoop him at CKLV he whooped him. in the home. He, he beat him by him. like ten. It was like thirteen to three or something like that. So normally I would say, um, uh, normally I would say that I would have thought it was gonna be close, but given the fact that he whooped him so bad already, I, I got to go with Echemendia to to do some type of repeat of that. Um, but you know, if you had said if you would ask me the same question in the same line right after. Uh, Bartlett versus Cornella, I would have said, dude, are you crazy? Right. Like, there's no way he's going to beat him that bad. And that's why I do think it's not as bad as last time. But I still made the line literally less than half of what he beat him by (laughs) at CKLV. Yes. So I think there's some regression to the mean, but regression to the mean could still be losing by five points. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Which makes this tricky for me. Um and yeah, I'm gonna go Etchemendia by two takedowns. So I I, yeah. I think it, it is a five point win or something like that. Obviously, the key to the path to victory for Cornella is getting on top. Get yes. get one takedown, get on top, and try to work for a turn. So if he can get that first takedown and he can get it early, 
rack up two minutes of riding time and maybe a turn, take some gas out of Echemendia, that can be a game changer. So not to get all Shane Sparks, the first takedown matters, but the first takedown could be big in this one, especially if it occurs early. Hard. I hate I hate the the stat like oh if you get the first takedown you win. It's a bad. It's a terrible stat because you're just better if you get the first. You're just better. The better guy is going to get the first takedown. You know, if it, ninety plus percent of the time, because in in a lot of matches they're non competitive, right? So then the stat is so skewed to what it should be. And yeah, no duh. If you score more points, you're more likely. Like if you score points, you're more likely to win. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I agree. Terrible statistic. Um, so next one, um, Chittam versus Shapiro. Which this hey, is the I match. was thinking this, this could have been. Wait, what? This is the match of okay. This right could have been. Um, now remember, they're both of their senior years. Chittam did the. Um, it was funny because he reclassified, but then he gray shirted anyways. So it was weird. Yeah. Like, why did you reclassify if you were just going to gray shirt? That's weird because you could have just said, like, I'm doing my senior year of high school, you know, somewhere else. And then Shapiro did his senior year of high school at Cornell, essentially, right? Right. Um, had they both continued to compete in high school division stuff, there's a high likelihood they could have been like a one, two pound for pound um, in the class of 2023. Mm-hmm. So this would have been a huge match at like a who's number one or something like that. I think it still is, although it's lost its luster because they both did not place a CKLB, which was wild, of course. Yes. Um, I I think it's going to be competitive. Um, I'm going to say Shapiro gets up early and Chittam comes back and loses close. So... Uh, he loses by one or two, which covers the spread. So I'm going Chittam. I made the line two and a half. I feel similarly. I'm taking Chittam. The points are making me pick Chittam. The question for me here is, so we saw Shapiro, Shapiro, excuse me, really not look like himself on the backside. Lost to yes. uh, Northwestern. Can he get back to mentally, I'm the effing man, I'm the guy at this weight class, which I think we saw him at yeah. earlier in the year. And there might be a slight injury to Shapiro. The only, I have no inside knowledge. I'm only saying this because we saw him take injury time at Journeyman. And then because he looked... A little off there on but that what was side. injured though that's what i was trying I think, to figure out is it a, was it like a head thing um like i that was i was i was struggling with uh what exactly is hurt you know like because it didn't it didn't it, it wasn't apparent that it was a singular body part yeah i, I think maybe maybe knee you feel the same way a little bit a little bit um but i think it's knee um it, it could be absolutely nothing i definitely think he was mentally shaken up after losing to Cardenas at CKLV. So can he mentally get back to that the right spot and bounce back? Because if not, I don't I think I think Chittum is still gonna be uh that dog that we that we've seen from him. I think we know what we're gonna get with Chittum in this match a little bit more. Yes. Than Shapiro. Yes. Um so but I, I'm going Chittum 
as well. Yes. All and right. for me, like what I said, you said it's lost a little bit at the CKLV, but this is still the match I'm looking forward to the most from Nashville. Um, Boca. We also Boca we versus... also saw Sh- Shapiro get tired against Cardenas, which could come into play, obviously, because yeah. Chittam's a goer. Yeah. Yep, Chittam's a goer. Uh, Boca versus, oh my gosh, how am I blanking on his Feldcamp. name? The guy that went from Clarion. Help Feldcamp. me out here. Feldcamp. Feldcamp. This is a fun one. Um, Boca had a not great performance at CKLV. Um, I'm still going to go with Boca. I'll go regression to the mean. I know Feldcamp is dangerous. I think Boca can navigate some of those danger points um, and come out on top. It wasn't just a bad CKLV for Foka. It was a completely bizarre CKLV. He lost to, um, he got majored by Zirov from Columbia and then lost to Sam Wolf, which, I mean, Sam Wolf is tough, don't get me wrong, but definitely not a guy I would have expected Chris Foka to lose to. And it, it's weird because that's basically the only results we have from him at 184. Yeah, well, he he wrestled at the uh, Madtown Open and got two check falls in a pin. So okay. you know, that would have you know it wasn't when it wasn't super competitive. You know, they weren't good guys. So um, yeah, we were all expecting really really good things out of him because if you look at um, really his last couple years, I don't believe he has any um, super drop off performances like this. Um, and I know even a couple years ago he maybe was dealing with some injury. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm looking. Through it, um, I guess a, a loss to Jake Logan. He lost five two to Jake Logan, he was, but yeah, um, he was. Besides that, up. like if he lost, it was like a three two. I got, I got a ten three loss, but that's against mm-hmm. Carter Starocki. Oh, here's what I got. I got one. I found <laughs> one. one. It was. Uh, I, and I remember us talking about this match on this show because remember we were talking about how good Foka was in his red shirt. Year. It was a great the Neil shirt Richards year. loss from Scuffle. <laughs> He got tech fall by Neil Richards, and I remember we were all like, "What in the hell just <laughs> happened there?" That one, that one is bizarre. That uh, was a bizarre one. But that's his only one, right? That's his only one in, um, right? What's that? 2020. So that was like what, four four seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 100, 100 matches or so. It's his only really off result. So um, it's not like he's, you know. Team uh, Team Space Mountain. It's like no, that was a uh, that Neil Richards. That's an exception to the rule. And so it's yeah. like, what happened to Vegas? I I don't know, but because Feldkamp is kind of one dimensional. Yes, that gives me more confidence in picking Foca. I mean, Feldkamp just doesn't really have any leg attack, any solid he leg attack. Shoot. No, he cannot. Yes. Um, it was incredibly frustrating in the Gabe Arnold match when you're like, dude, what are you doing? Double overs isn't working. Why do you keep yeah. locking And this it up? is something Feldkamp's got a great feel, J.D., uh, for, for these positions. And who was the one guy he pinned? It was um, Munoz? Vegas. Who? Munoz. Munoz in that crazy one where he kind of went over the top. Yep. Um, he's a great feel for landing on top and pinning people. But you know when you're when you're at a Clarion and you're not a big name, no one's going to be paying attention, and so you're going to catch a lot of people by you know catching them off guard in positions they shouldn't be in. Um, and he had a lot of pins, and now 
everyone's going to be saying, Will Feldkamp is an All-American, and they're going to be studying him. And they're going to say, just like you, he can't shoot. Yep. He can't shoot. Keep your arms in. Game Arnold, right? Yeah. Right? Red alert. Elbows in. Don't let him overhook you. And, you know, fire when you see the opportunity because he's not going to be firing back. Shout out Wesley, West Wesley. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think very highly of uh, Coach Gray and company in Ithaca. So I, I think they're going to be able to put a, a good plan and get FOCA right again. And uh, and I, I'm picking FOCA too. I'm picking FOCA also. We got a lot of picks today. I, I like it. I know. We got to keep it rolling. Um, I I actually haven't run through the Iowa State-Cornell duel in my head, but it's going to be That's a good duel, bro, because yeah, uh, heavyweight is going to be fun. I'll, you didn't put that in the picks, but that's going to be a fun match also. Yeah, I feel like Bastida's kind of separated himself from Fernandez yeah, a true, little bit. Fernand, man, Fernandez is good. What I mean, didn't he beat him last year at 97? Yeah, right the, the triple bump. Yeah, it was like 4-2 to two last year. Yeah. But now with Bastida and his extra size and – Extra I mean, beef. his performance at CKLB, I mm-hmm. think, um, shows it. So let's run through this one quick before, because um, there's a good chance this one is like a, almost like a criteria match. Who, the Iowa, Iowa State-Cornell duel? Yeah. So if Well, I, let's see. But we got different picks a couple of times, because we went different on 25, and we went different on 65. And I went, I went, well, we both went different ways. I went Iowa State once and Cornell once, and you went the other way once. But I did just pick, I picked Ramirez to lose by less than that. I did not pick him to win. And I guess I would say, I would say the same thing of Terakinia. I don't know that I'm picking him to win, but I can have him lose by one, two, or three and still win. So um, I think probably Cornell for the duel. Yeah, in. When you think about it, bonus opportunities, it's probably in favor of Cornell with Vito, um, Cardenas at 97. Well, 97, Cardenas should be able to get bonus, you would think. Yep, you would yeah. think. And guys like 65 for, for Iowa State, Carr maybe can push for the major, but I don't think so. I mean, we just saw him lose to Ramirez, so. Yes. Um, so I think it's unlikely Iowa State picks up too many bonus point victories unless Feldkamp can pull a pen out of his ass. Who is Cornell's guy at 74? Uh, he, they have no one ranked. Yeah, they've been, I think, mixing up a little bit. Benny Baker? I don't know Benny Baker. Is who uh, I think they've been rolling with. Let me look at some of their past results here. So I got I got Cornell twenty five, Cornell thirty three, uh, forty nine. So I got forty one Iowa State, forty nine Iowa State, fifty seven. I picked Chittum, but he could also lose by one. I or hope two. they start this duel at sixty five, and it that comes down great. to and it comes down to fifty seven. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, I don't know. This duel is kind of a toss up. Could, it could come down to 57, which makes that match even more fun. Okay, let's move on. Day two. Um, let's start with the big one, NC State versus Ohio State. That'll mm-hmm. be at 6 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. Uh, let's start with 133. Kai Orini versus Nick Buzakis. I made Orini a five-and-a-half point favorite 
Um, I I think that's fair. Um, I'm gonna go with who? What am I gonna? Buzakis. He's dropped some matches big this year. Yeah, so he lost to uh, who did he lose? He lost to Tyler Knox on the front side, and it wasn't really all that competitive. Mm -hmm. He did have a tough backside where he came back and won four or five matches in a row. Um, He lost close to Latona, who he did get killed by the. um, He pinned Cardinal though from South Dakota State, who's tough. Oh man, maybe not. Well, he lost by he lost to Rini by six. He lost by Santaniello by seven. But he beat Santaniello in the duel. Last him. week, so hmm, that that is a tough. He's one a little right space mountainy. I'll, I'll go Arini. Uh, I'm going Arini he, to cover. He's pretty consistent. The only thing here is though, he does sometimes he doesn't score a ton of points. No, I lie. I'm gonna go Buzakis. Okay, I'm going Buzakis. Final final answer. I was Lock a little all over the place on that one. I'm still going. I, that's a good lie, JD, because I I can feel it both ways. Yeah, I. I think I'm picking Orini based off of, I think, highly of Orini. I'm not down, super down on Busakis. I think he's still going to be a, a tough wrestler, but Orini's just really solid. And I think there's potential Busakis is, it, he's down by like three and is going for a takedown or something big late and gives up a, a yeah. junk time takedown to give Orini a large. Major decision. Yeah, well, that, that could be the case for sure. Am I giving Jesse Mendez too much credit for putting him as a four-and-a-half-point favorite? No. I was going to say, I'm picking Jesse Mendez because I think he is going to be – he actually feels – so I I don't like this stuff, Jeremy. This is more like a Shane Spark territory, but, like, he just lost. He's going to be feel motivated to, to try to smash here. Um, he did a lot of smashing at CKLB, so I am going to pick him to win by a couple takedowns. He beat Jack 5-2 to two in Vegas. I actually feel kind of similarly, which is why I bumped up the line a point and a half from their Vegas match. Mm-hmm. I, I was going back and forth on my head in this one, but I'm going to go Mendez big. Um, he is definitely a guy who... I think we'll have that motivation to go, like you said, yes. go get some extra points, take out some, some anger and some aggression from his loss to Cole <laughs> Matthews. So, both going Mendez. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Do you, have, you got to pick him on D'Amelio versus Arrington. Uh, I believe they wrestled it. I believe it was very close. It was a one-point match, I believe. Yeah. And it was a lot of scrambles. They're both tough mat wrestlers. Um, 9-8, Dylan D'Amelio. Um, man, I watched that match, but I'm not, I'm not remembering it super well right now. Uh, I'll go Dylan D'Amelio. He does seem to find a way to get his hand raised quite a bit. I'll go Arrington, just because I think these two guys are basically equal. This time it just goes Arrington's way. No smart logic behind that decision. Just going with it. Okay. Uh, 184. We got Dylan Fishback, Gavin Hoffman. Uh, I know where I'm going. I thought Gavin Hoffman, I was excited for him going down to 184. Um, 
but he has not been he's not. great at 184. Um, he's four and three. He lost to Reese Heller. He lost to Jaden Bullock, and he lost to Sam Wolf. Uh, that means I'm going the other way. I am too. Could be a regression to the mean performance, but Fishback stuff, I don't see it. Uh, he's explosive. Um, could be a bad matchup for yes. Hoffman. I'm going Fishback. All right, so, okay, we're both going Fishback. Um, heavyweight, so we have uh, Nick Feldman and um, NC State's probably going to roll Owen Treffen. Yep. Um, I'm going Treffen. Nick Feldman's uh, just not there yet. Treffen's tough. Treffen's tough. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could see it going either way. Um, I'll go Treffen also. Um, you know, Feldman, who knows, maybe he's going to surprise us at some point, but um, he has not had those great wins yet. No, he has not. He, he then, was close with um, uh, Pit. Am I right on this or no? Pitzer? How was the Pitzer? No, he didn't wrestle Pitzer, did he? No, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, he lost 8-1 to one to Fernandez, who I feel like yes. is pretty equal to... Treffin. Uh, to Treffin, so... Yeah. Okay. No, he, he, on. he beat uh, Fernandez H1. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you got that one backwards. I got that one backwards. Uh, but he injury defaulted out against Tega Haldi. Um, no, I, I think that's wrong. I'm pretty sure he got teched. I watched that match. It says injury five. Uh, I know. I think I think that match got like inputted wrong into arena. WrestleStat. And then, arena. well, I assume WrestleStat pulled it from the result. From so you're saying Tay Gahaldi teched Nick Feldman. Yeah, it was not close. It was a bunch of takedowns. It was like a twenty to four. What situation? I'm. I watched it. I'm serious. Are you Go crazy? Wa- Go watch the uh, the match replay. You take a holiday tech fault, Nick Feldman. Yes, I did not watch that one. Yes, I watched that one. It was a con because wow. it was like constellation um, semis or something like that. Isn't that so crazy? How I mean, like my brain kind of hurts sometimes, JD, when I'm thinking like Nick Feldman was like a pound for pound guy in high school, and so on the one hand we're saying these high school guys, you know, Connor Mirasola, uh, Luke Willardall. Aiden Valencia, these high school guys are beating, you know, really high-level NCAA placers, you know, and then you have Nick Feldman, who is a he was a pound-for-pound guy, and he's we're a couple years out of high school, yeah, and he's kind of getting his butt kicked by some of these dudes. I know. It's some like dudes it's hard it for your brain to process yeah. all of it, um, all of it happening at the same time. And some results just don't make sense either, and some guys they really ride momentum a lot. Um, like a, a Braden Thompson was beating senior level dudes his senior year of high school and, and tough ones at that. And he's not yes. struggling, struggling yet, but. Well, he, he went 0 2 at uh, CKLV, so I yeah. would say Braden Thompson probably hasn't went 0 for 2 at very many tournaments no. in his entire life. Exactly. And when you see guys beating, it, I don't know, college Ooh. wrestling is just sometimes a different level. Yeah, yeah, kind of wild. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. We got two picks left. We got Ryan Jack versus Kale Happel. Uh, and but I would pick Ryan Jack, but you give him three and a half points. It's a lot of points. Um, and I want to pick Jack, but I kind of think that might be too many. 
I was kind of feeling the same way. Apple's tough, but he is coming off a loss to Columbia. But wasn't it like he got, what was that? And uh, it was, uh... Jack matred him at CKLV. Okay, I'm going Ryan Jack. That's because I feel like I should be going Jack. I'm going to go Jack. I'm... I feel like Happel doesn't normally lose super big, but I'm going I'm going Jack to cover to cover this line as well with not a lot of confidence. Okay. Um, I am actually Parker somewhat Kaiser, confident in Parker covering pie. this line. I, I feel What's pretty that? I feel good about Parker covering, picking up bonus here. He's been pretty relentless this season. Um kind of in all of his matches, even the ones that were close closer at uh, CKLV, he was really pushing for bonus. He's at a 90% bonus rate. You know, he bonus Camp. Gavin Kane, he, he beat by 10, and that was, you know, Feldkamp, was, he was battling hard, but he was able to get it done. So I'm going um, bonus for Parker Kekaisen. Me as well. All right, we've got five minutes, so we can get to... One qu- I got one question. One question? You, you want, what is it? Yeah. These guys are saying, I will not apologize. He says, can Ben apologize to the Iowa board for the constant <laughs> Iowa hate? Listen, I have no Iowa hate. I am calling it like I see it, and that's what I always do. And I know some people might not like that, and they might want a more charitable view of uh, whatever it is I see. I have not. I do not have bias. I call it like I see it. If I see someone do something good, I say I think that's good. If I see someone do something bad, I say that's bad. I don't have a bias. So, no, I won't apologize. There is no hate. I'm indifferent uh, emotionally to what's happening. I just try to call like I see it. I have uh, one question for you as well I want to ask. Jamie <laughs> asking, what is your thoughts on morning practices for high school wrestlers? Ooh, great one. He puts in once a week during the holidays. Maybe chime in on that. But also, I just want to know kind of overall philosophy on yeah. a high school coach implementing morning practices. Yeah, uh, it's it's tough, right? Because you only have a certain amount of time. I would generally lean against them. Um, I think sleep habits of teenagers are uh, not great. And I, I already think the school days start too early. I remember me personally, and I, I, I bro, I fell asleep so many times in high school because we started at seven twenty. Too early. That's too absurd. early. I was that's not absurd. ready to get Even up. for high school, I, I, that's like the earliest I've ever heard. Yeah, it's ridiculous, and so. Um, you know, I mean, honestly, in all honesty, they probably should be moving high school back to like an 8.30 or 9 o'clock start if we actually look at the oh, research 100%. on. Yeah, totally should be starting later. Teenage sleep habits. Like, move the damn start time back. So, early morning practice, I think, are probably going to be more counterproductive uh, than, than productive for, for the majority of people. Um, so, I, I would probably not do it. But you said if it's over the holiday break, then you could do a 9 a.m. Yeah. or a 9.30 a.m. and it's not a big deal. But, yeah, I mean... You know, with my high school, Messenbrink did have John, who was my high school coach. We had morning runs twice a week at the last six weeks, I think, you know. So I think it was like a, I want to say like a 6 or 6.15 start. And that was, luckily I lived close to the high school because that was really early. <laughs> um, but I remember my parents were very reasonable. And there was there was days when they would, and listen, I did well enough in school. Um, it wasn't like I was feeling in classes, but they would let me. I would say, hey, I'm feeling it. Seven twenty too early. They'd say, okay, miss the first couple hours and go in at you know nine fifteen or nine thirty or whatever it is, and I would get a couple extra hours of sleep. And I, I really needed it. So sleep depriving teenagers, 
not good. They should already start the high school days later than they do right now, so I would not be a fan of morning practices. Now, so would you recommend for a high school wrestler only getting one workout in per day a practice? Because for some kids, like, that, that is asinine, that you would only get one workout in per day. Yeah, just make it a little longer. Right, just spend a little more time. We we had longer high school practices, and especially, you know, I mean, the best would be di- dividing them by by skill level, maybe one or two ways. Um, but if you know, in the beginning of the season, more technical stuff, right? You're spending more time on technique because you're getting them together as a group for the first time. Right? You probably haven't coached them much in the off season, and then towards the end, you're shortening the practice and you're ramping up the intensity and more drilling, more sparring, and more live wrestling. Um, that's probably the formula that I would follow. And then, you know, maybe if they want to get, listen, try to try to get, have them bear some responsibility and say like, Hey, if you need to, I need you guys to get an extra run in. And if you want to wake up, if you're in a wake up early guy and you want to do it at 6am, do it at 6am. If you're a stay up late guy and you want to do it at 830, do it at 830. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Get it done. You know? And the way I try to tell all my guys is like, listen, this is this is your journey. This is not my journey. I am going to be as good of an assistant to you in your journey as possible. But if I say you need to run extra or whatever it is extra you need to do, um, that's on you. If you're choosing not to make these sacrifices, that's on you, right? This is your responsibility. It is your journey. You're living it, not me. I agree. And with that, it's 10 o'clock, so... We this gotta was go. Our journey. This was our journey. We will be back to journey with you on Thursday to uh, talk about all those good matches we previewed from Cleveland Duels. All right. See, See y'all then.